Good morning. Welcome to the Cape League Roundup. Good morning. This is the Cape League Roundup podcast. We had a big, full day yesterday with the games that got played and with the draft. So let's get right into the games. We'll do this a little bit quicker than normal because we have to get to the first two rounds of the draft and how those work themselves out. So let's get started with how the games themselves went. Yesterday we had five of them. We only had one tie, which is kind of interesting, and it actually went nine innings, which is also kind of interesting. Orleans and Wareham, and by the way, Wareham is still starting their games at 5 p.m. because they still apparently have no working lights and they're hosting the All-Star Game. I really hope there's, like, good electricians over at Wareham. Anyway, uh, so, 1-1 is the final. Orleans got 10 hits across the course of the game. They got one run. Wareham also got one run on three hits. One of these teams was more efficient. Uh, uh, Wareham's run came home in the bottom half of the fourth inning. Hogan Windish scores on a sacrifice fly by Max Anderson. And we got one run home in the sixth inning for the Orleans Firebirds. Uh, Isaac Humphrey comes home and scores on a J.D. Urso ground out. And that is the extent of the scoring. So that's how that ends up working itself out. Uh, The pitching is as follows. Michael Sansone does a really good job. Goes five innings, seven hits, one run, four strikeouts, no walks. And Patrick Riley, five innings, one run on one hit. Two walks and two strikeouts. Both teams got a little bit of offense a little bit later on, but nothing more that ultimately did that much uh, threatening stuff. So uh, they improve their records, or they move their records really to uh, on the on the Orleans side of things, 13-15-4. and four. They are now two points back of the Brewster Whitecaps. Wareham is one point behind Falmouth, who uh, we'll get to them in just a little bit. Actually, let's get to them right now. They deal a uh, big loss in a big offensive game, which took eight innings to play this, and another five o'clock game in a field with no lights, but this one by design, not for bad electrical work. Uh, Falmouth beats the Ketuit Cataliers 9-8. to eight. They get nine runs on six hits. That's really good efficiency. Uh, Ketuit gets eight runs on ten hits. That's less efficient. Um, both teams commit two errors in this game. A little bit of a sloppy uh, bit of play. Home runs and doubles for both sides. The win for Falmouth goes to the penultimate guy who saw time on the mound, Luke Malone from UTSA, University of Texas, San Antonio. He throws two and a third late, gives up two hits and a run with one walk and no strikeouts. And the last guy who, the ultimate guy, if you will, who saw time, Josh Stewart, got the save. He threw the final two-thirds of an inning. He gave up nothing, no hits, no runs. He didn't walk anyone. He didn't strike anybody out. He just kind of did his job. The loss ends up going to the first guy who came on in relief for Katua, Ty Johnson from Ball State. He throws two innings, gives up one hit and five runs, though only three of those were earned. He walked five and he struck out two. That walk total is just terrible. And there's no way that you're going to be able to, uh, to get by with any of that noise. Cam, uh, Caleb Lomavita hit a home run in this game and drove in three runs. So that's a bit of an off- offensive spark. Tommy Troy from Stanford, who's been just outstanding, a 381 average. 
at the uh, conclusion of this game. He's just been fantastic. Uh, he got four more hits in this one, including... Actually, no, all of his hits were for... Um, uh, weren't for extra bases. They were just singles, but four of them. Carter Trice from North Carolina State got two hits, two doubles. He scored two runs. He drove in two runs. The offense for Katuit was there. Problem is that the defense was not. And Falmouth got off to an early, early offensive burst. Two runs in the first, one in the second, four crossing in the fourth, and two more runs crossing in the seventh inning. Katuit got one run in the bottom half of the eighth inning to get it a little bit closer, but couldn't finish off the job. And Katuit tried bullpenning their way through it through this one. They had six different pitchers. Their third guy who came on, Carson Swilling from Auburn, threw the most. He threw three innings and was the best. He gave up two hits, no runs. He um, didn't. He walked one guy. He struck out one guy. But yeah, that's a bit of a tough way for for that one to go. And with the win, Falmouth moves one point ahead of Wareham for the last playoff spot in the West. 13-16-3 and three with 29 points. They are... One point clear of the Gatemen, who are at 11, 15, and 6 for 28 points. And um, Katuit, 17, 10, and 5. So they're they're uh, the second last team to get to double-digit losses. Uh, they are just about barely one point ahead of the Hyannis Harbor Hawks, whom we'll get to them next. They had an opportunity to climb in, and they got killed by Bourne. The Braves win 8-1 to over the Harbor Hawks in Hyannis, so the Braves' offense and pitching staff really shows out. Meanwhile, the Harbor Hawks only get three hits on this game, and this just, yeah, this was a missed opportunity. And you could tell from the start of this one, six runs for Bourne in the first five innings, four of them coming across in the top half of the first inning. The first of those came across unearned. Actually, all of the runs came across unearned. The, the Harbor Hawks committed two errors in this game, uh, one by their third baseman and one more by their shortstop. All four of your runs come across unearned, which, boy, that's just kind of brutal and unfair to your starter, which who was Jay Driver from, uh, from Harvard. He throws the first three innings of this game, gives up six hits and five runs with only one of them earned. He walks one, he struck, strikes out two. He gets the loss in this one, and Bourne had Cade Boxrucker from uh, Campbell, who throws the first five and two-thirds. He gives up five hits, one run. It was unearned. He walked two. He struck out two. That's a very good bit of work. Matt Shaw, the second baseman hailing from, um, from Maryland, he gets four hits, including a double and a triple in this one, and a home run, so that's rather impressive, actually. I've got that correct. So he had four hits, a double, a triple, and a home run, and he got a base hit, which means that he hit for the cycle. So among all the other things that we have going down today, Matt Shaw hit for the cycle, drove in a run, and scored two runs. That's a big-time game for that guy. Very nicely done. Good work. And Bourne, looking like a team that no one should want to face in the Western playoffs. They're at 34 points. They're four back of Hyannis. They could... They could still really make a move here a little bit later on. Hyannis is still just one point back of Katuit. They still have, actually, they now have the second best run differential on Cape Cod at 30, plus 32. YD has the best run differential. We'll get to them next and how there were a lot of people who were extremely not happy 
with, uh, with how that game ended up working itself out. Uh, anywho, so uh, Bourne gets a much-needed win. Hyannis stays one point back. And now we get to the game that a whole bunch of white-cap people are really unhappy about. So the YD Red Sox uh, capitalize on a atrociously played defensive game by the Whitecaps. Four errors. The, here's the final line score. The Brewster Whitecaps had four runs on three hits and four errors. That's an atrocious defensive uh, sequence. So that's just, you're not going to win games like that if you are committing four errors. Heston Toll, the uh, starter for the Whitecaps from Texas, he throws the first four and a third, and he was very good for the first, like, uh, three of those. He really first four of those. He ends up giving up six hits, three runs, only one of them earned. He walks three, he strikes out two. That's a really tough way for that to work itself out, but... That is how the game ends up uh, ends up going for uh, for them. The win goes to Luke Jewett from UCLA, who throws uh, one inning. He gives up one hit, one run, walks three, strikes out one. The save goes to Sean Gamelin from Rhode Island College. It's really impressive that a D3 guy has continued to uh, perform so well for YD. And he throws the final two and a third, uh, excuse me, uh, two-thirds of an inning, uh, he doesn't strike anybody out. He uh, forces a double play on a fly ball out. And here's how there are a lot of Whitecaps fans who were not very happy about this game. Um, and here's a few reasons why. For one, this was only a seven-inning game, and a lot of Whitecaps fans look at Scott Pickler, the manager of the of the Whitey Red Sox, as, and I quote from officials uh, from like, from fans of the Whitecaps and some people who might like, work for the team, quote, Pickler's a bush leaguer. That's the feeling on it for stall tactics. He's three different times. He switched pitchers out in the middle of a count three different times. He let a pitcher get to a 2-0 count, pull him, and throw a new pitcher on there in the middle of an at-bat. He was uh, consistently talking with the uh, with the umps about all different sorts of things, which I mean, that part's not... Uh, anything like that everyone is going to but uh, but yeah it's really the stall tactics that a lot of people are extremely angry with uh, when dealing with uh, with pickler so there's a lot of folks who uh, don't like that the game only lasted seven innings the umps decided that this game was going to be called quickly that uh, right after the final double play of this one the uh, the Whitecaps scored a run on a sacrifice fly from David Mendham. They get close, and then almost immediately the game is called after the last after what ends up being the last out. When there was still light, and you could have played one more inning. So there's also a lot of people unhappy with the umpires. Uh, there were a lot of not pleased people on the Whitecaps side of things. There were a lot of happy people on the YD side of things. They're now eight points clear of. Brewster for first place in the East, 17-9-6, which, you know, for all the belly aching from the Whitecap side of things, YD has a great team. They have a plus 34 run differential. They are 5-2-3 and three in their last 10. They're surging at the right time going into the final stretch of the season, and they look great, man. They know how to play. They know how to get good hits. They know how to get timely hits. Um, Brewster's at 13, 13, and 6. They're the only other team in the East that is at even 500. They're two points clear of the Orleans Firebirds, 32 points compared to 30. 
And actually, the Whitecaps and Firebirds are going to get to play each other pretty soon after this. So everybody is fighting for a spot. Everybody is fighting for a position. And we haven't decided pretty much anything at this point yet. So we'll find out how all of that ends up working itself out, which there's so much left to determine uh, as far as all of this is concerned. One final game to take a look at. Chatham has started winning stuff lately. It's very strange, but you know, not totally unwelcome, I guess, from the Chatham perspective. They beat the Harwich Mariners 9-8, to and as far as the standings are concerned, they're four points back of Harwich, and Chatham's won two in a row. Harwich has lost three in a row. So the Mariners are starting to worry about whether or not they're going to have enough left in the tank to uh, to get them uh, over Chatham for the last playoff spot. Uh, the win in this game ends up going to LeBaron Johnson from Texas. He throws the middle inning in two-thirds, gives up two hits, two runs, walks no one, strikes out four. The save goes to Brian Holiday from Florida Southwestern State, no relation to the manager. Two innings, three hits, two runs, none earned. He walks two, he strikes out four. Four errors committed in this game. The defense across the Cape was pretty terrible for the most part. Um, Harwich has their losing pitcher as Blake Purnell from Florida. He throws an inning and two-thirds late. He gives up four runs, all of them earned. He walks one. He strikes out one. And, uh, yeah, so Chatham started their scoring early. Three runs in the first, one in the third, one each in the fifth, and one more in the sixth. Um, and Harwich flipped the game around with a big five-run sixth inning that got them right back where they wanted to with Tommy Seidel getting an RBI base hit to bring home Nick Goodwin. Seidel comes around and scores after a stolen base and uh, comes home on a uh, Joe Vitrano hit. Um, Hunter Stokely hits a three-run home run for the big jolt that at the time gave them the lead. Chatham ties it in the bottom half of the inning. Rock Riggio scores on a Chuck Ingram double, and uh, then they go off in the next inning for three runs in the bottom half of the seventh to what ultimately ended up giving them the winning margin. The hit that really won it for them was a Guy Garibay Jr. double to bring home Marcus Brown and Cooper Ingle. That makes it at the time, a, a four-run difference. Harwich gets one run in the eighth and two more runs to cross the plate for them in the ninth inning. An unearned run that Ethan O'Donnell scores after an error at third. Nick Goodwin scores on a Brock Wilkin base hit, then a strikeout, then a walk. And with guys on the base paths, Calais Henderson uh, Harrison strikes out to end the game. Holiday gets the save. And... Chatham is starting to put a bit of a scare into uh, into the Mariners. Chatham is now 8-17-7. They're at 23 points. Harwich is at 11-16-5. They're at 27 points. So it's only four points back, and we still have enough baseball left to play where stuff is not decided yet. Like Stuff is extremely not sorted out yet. We're going to find out exactly how all of this works itself out over the next couple of weeks. And it's really fascinating, genuinely. It's really fascinating to find out what we're going to have. So we'll see what the next uh, what the next bit of all this ends up looking like. And also, uh, as far as like other news and stuff, the Cape Cod Baseball League All-Stars 
have been officially announced. And so let's give them to you right now. So uh, we'll just go through these in pretty quick order. The Western All-Stars first. Katuit is sending five guys to the All-Star game. Caleb Lomavita from California, the catcher Tyler Johnson at first base from Coastal Carolina, Tommy Troy, the shortstop from Stanford, Harrison Cohen, pitcher from George Washington, and Ben Johnson, pitcher from Georgia Southern. Hyannis is sending the most players to the game. Infielder Mitchell Jeb from Michigan State, infielder Riku Nishida, who's uh, actually transferring into Oregon, outfielder Cole McConnell from LSU, outfielder Tito Flores from Michigan, Utility player Dominic Patelli from Miami, pitcher Magdiel Cotto from Kentucky, and pitcher Zachary Volker from Long Beach State. Falmouth is sending five guys. Colby Halter, third baseman from Florida, outfielder Andrew Pinckney from Alabama, utility player Alex Mooney from Duke, pitcher Joey Ryan from Boston College, and pitcher Philip Abner from Florida. Wareham gets six guys who are going. Max Anderson, infielder from Nebraska, outfielder Kellum Clark from Mississippi State, designated hitter Hogan Windish from North Carolina Greensboro, and catcher Ryan Campos from Arizona State are the position players. Michael Sansone, the pitcher from Fairfield, and pitcher from Vanderbilt, Grayson Moore. And Bourne wraps up the Western team. Matt Shaw, this, who just hit for the cycle, the starting second baseman from Maryland, outfielder Evan Slight from Rutgers, Utility player, though really an infielder, Chris Brito from Rutgers, Seth Keener from Wake Forest, and Ty Cummings from Campbell. Now we go over to the East. Uh, YD is sending seven guys, which is the most. Luke Schliger, the starting catcher from Maryland, which makes sense. Cole Carrick, an outfielder from San Diego State. Hunter Haas, an infielder from, uh, from Arizona State. Outfielder Homer Bush Jr. from Grand Canyon. And three pitchers, Jared Lyons from George Mason, Bryce Robison from BYU, and Luke Jewett from UCLA. Orleans is sending just four guys there. Uh, it'll be Nate Furman from North Carolina Charlotte. It'll be Travis Honeyman from Boston College. And the starting DH, Luke Kieschel from Arizona State. And starting pitcher, Bryce Warricker from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. They absolutely got it right on, on his part. Uh, on the other sides of the uh, of the whole deal, Chatham will be sending five guys. Jake DeLeo from Georgia Tech, Marcus Brown from Oklahoma State, Caden Grice from Clemson, Ben Hampton from West Virginia, and Alex McFarlane from Miami. Harwich is sending six guys. Joe Vitrano, Boston College, first base. Shortstop, Nick Goodwin from Kansas State. Third baseman, Brock Wilkin, the reigning league MVP from Wake Forest. Tommy Seidel, utility player from Alabama. Zane Probst from Seton Hall, and Drew Conover, who is transferring to Rutgers, actually transferring from Seton Hall. And Brewster, they're sending catcher Curtis Byrne from Texas Christian, infielder Alex Freeland from Central Florida, outfielder Grayson Tatro from Abilene Christian, uh, utility player Carson Martini from Virginia Tech, pitcher Brennan Oxford from Wake Forest, and pitcher Ryan Chassie from Campbell. Now there's a real shot that all of these teams are going to be uh, shifting around because there's a bunch of these guys who are eligible for the Major League Baseball draft and a whole bunch of people who are going to be coming and going and people who will be here, will not be here. It's going to be a strange time for trying to just nail down exactly who is taking part in the All-Star game in, 
in Wareham in a few days. Also, hopefully, that they actually have, like, working lights on the field, but, you know, whatever, I guess, at this point in time. Anywho, so, uh, congratulations to everyone who has been voted onto the Cape League All-Star team. Uh, best of luck to both sides in the, uh, in the actual game itself. And now, there was a draft last night, and the Cape League did extremely well in said draft. It was... Um, uh, it is really impressive how the Cape League continues to consistently churn out top-level Major League caliber ball players. Uh, two Cape Leaguers went in the top 10. Brooks Lee was the first guy, the starting shortstop for YD last year, where he hit 405 last year from uh, who went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. He went eight to Minnesota. The ninth pick was Gavin Cross. He played. Uh, he only played a little bit for the Whitecaps before he went off to Team USA. So, um, uh, and then he didn't end up returning, unfortunately, for um, uh, for for the Whitecaps. But they still ended up winning the championship. So that part's pretty. Uh, that part's pretty okay. So the Caps end up getting some. Uh, they get two more guys who uh, who get pick who get picked. Uh, but before we get to uh, to those folks, we have a bunch of other folks who went before them. Kevin Parada went 11 to the New York Mets. He played at Chatham. Jace Jung uh, went 12th to Detroit out of Texas Tech, and he played for Orleans last year, part of a really good offense. And then Zach Neto, who became a fan favorite here in Brewster and hit two consecutive 400 seasons at Campbell. He went to the Angels, so that's really cool. Cam Collier fell a bit in the draft. A lot of people had him projected going top five. One of the youngest players. He actually played nine games with Katuit because he he went to the JUCO route. He went to um, he went to Chipola College and played the JUCO route that way. So he fell a bit, and that was a bit surprising. But Cincinnati got a really good player in him, uh, and then the Whitecaps got one more guy. Um, picked. It was Spencer Jones who went 25th. Uh, he went to the New York Yankees, which tells you that the Yankees have scouted the White Cats extremely well with all the guys that they have, most notably uh, Aaron Jones. Katuit had three guys who got picked um, as well. Collier, Eric Brown Jr., and Derek Beavers all got picked. And both of those guys, Eric Brown Jr. and Dylan Beavers, also played on the, uh, on the Cape League. And the other two, the other guy that I'm really impressed with who got picked in the first round was Reggie Crawford, the two-way guy, lefty pitcher and first baseman from UConn, who got picked number 30 by San Francisco. And if he wants to be a pitcher, go to the Giants. They know exactly how to develop people. It's just, it's really impressive how well the Giants have consistently turned out players. And Reggie's Reggie's in a great spot there. Eric Brown Jr. from Coastal Carolina went to Milwaukee. Chase DeLauder from um, from James Madison, played for Orleans, went to Cleveland with the 16th pick. So in total, with just the first round, so not considering the, um, yeah, not considering the compensatory round uh, round picks in the first round, there were 10 guys from the Cape League who got picked. So that's 10 out of 30. So 30% of the first round is Cape League people. Uh, there were two additional picks 
In the competitive balance round A, Dylan Beavers from Cal and Kitsuit, who went to Baltimore, and Jordan Beck from Tennessee and went to and Harwich, who went to Colorado at pick 38. So 12 of the first 38 picks ended up being Cape League guys, is how uh, that ends up working itself out. And they had the second round go right up afterwards, which I'll admit I was a little bit surprised that they got started so uh, quickly thereafter, where they're just, they're, they're really just going for it, just trying to keep everything moving along. Uh, Tyler Locklear went uh, from VCU, and he went to, uh, he played at Orleans. He got picked. The guy I'm, like, really most impressed by that he went was Dalton Rushing. He got picked. First pick of the second round out of Louisville by the um, uh, by the Dodgers. There is a bit of a logjam at that position, um, organizationally for that position, but Rushing is a real player, man. He is he is he is really something though. So yeah, I'm really happy to see uh, see all these guys get picked. Uh, Peyton Graham, who played a little, who played a fair bit for YD last summer, he got picked as well, pick 51 uh, from Oklahoma, got picked by Detroit. There's a lot of guys who got picked, and there's still so many players who are available for rounds three till the later rounds. Tanner Schobel got picked in the competitive balance round B. Played at Bourne last year. He went to the Twins. The league's batting champion last year, Clark Elliott, he went to Oakland at the next pick. Chandler Simpson played on the Cape this year. Uh, I think for Katuit, he got picked by Tampa. There's so many guys who are available. We'll have a full wrap-up on all the lists and all the people who had any involvement in the Cape League, but already just on the first round alone with 12 guys who got picked, and then all the guys who got picked in the second round, and all the guys who are going to get picked. It's going to change rosters for how the rest of the season ends up working itself out. So congratulations to everybody who has been selected. I wish you all to get paid a giant pile of money, and I hope you all have majorly successful major league careers. I'm Chris Lynch with the Cape League Roundup Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed your time with us. We'll do a brief episode tomorrow for rounds three through ten of the draft, and then we will uh, do a a preview for the games that are upcoming the next day as well. So uh, that's it for today. Once more, I'm Chris Lynch with the Cape League Roundup Podcast. We hope you get out and enjoy your off day, and good luck to everyone who's eligible for the draft. (laughs) 